All right, guys, y'all show some love to the sponsors of the Straight Out of Prison podcast. Our friend Keely Brown runs her family-owned HVAC Home and Commercial Services. Is your system ready for the summer? Schedule a system checkup or reprogram your thermostat. They offer residential and commercial, at home or at work. They really do what they say, and they say what they do. Our family serving your family has been their core value since day one. Their founder and owner, Mr. Robert Holland, made sure the foundation of Home and Commercial Services was and is integrity. Now, remember, Haley, we, we catered an event last December where he was a part of the group that we were feeding. But it was interesting to learn that when he was a young man, when he first started in the HVAC business, Mr. Holland actually got in trouble with, for not adding new parts that the people didn't need. And they were like, why didn't you sell the parts? And he was like, because I could fix them. And they were like, no, no, you're... you're you're doing it wrong. Like you just got to put new parts. And he was like, but they didn't need new parts. And it bugged him so much that he went out and started his own business. And that's the foundation of home and commercial services. And we can attest to that personally. I mean, they've done so much stuff for us. It's crazy. I love that story. And I think it speaks to obviously his integrity and what he's built his business on that integrity. Right now, the most economical service they offer is their annual residential service agreement. For $150, you'll get two annual checkups, and that's for one system. If if it's an additional system, it's 25% off. Anyways, the annual contract includes priority service, normal rates for after-hour service, 10% discount on any repairs, and a 5% discount on any new installations. It's a good deal especially with the heat of the summer coming. Home and Commercial Services works on all name brands of heating and air conditioning units, gas furnaces, heat pumps, walk-in coolers, and smart thermostats. No job is too big or too small. Call or text Keely at 205-798-0635. Or you can email at office at Holland hcs.com you can look up holland home and commercial services on instagram for daily tips and more or you can check out their website hollandhcs.com we have some amazing friends and supporters of the podcast Lynn and Debbie Hurst, who own Hurst Towing and Recovery in Fultondale and Hayden, Alabama. They serve the Jefferson, Blunt, and surrounding counties. They tow light and heavy-duty vehicles, and they're always there to help. We wouldn't call anybody else. We would never call anybody else, and that's a fact. Would you like to work for an amazing company that treats their employees like family? The Hearst are hiring. Full and part-time positions. Give them a call today. Hearst Towing is there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They've been in our area since January of 1987. They have a heart to serve and they love making an impact in the communities they grew up in. The Hearst definitely make a difference in our world. And they have definitely made a difference in our lives. Dispatchers are always ready to receive calls at 205-631-8697. That is 205-631-TOWS, T-O-W-S. <laughs> you, get, you get me every time I, with the toes. <laughs> <laughs> or check out their website at hearsttowing.com. Now, y'all know James from the podcast, but he also is an amazing cook and private chef. I can attest to that personally. I've had many years of experience in food, just working in, managing, and even owning a couple restaurants. One of his greatest passions is preparing delicious food. You know, if somebody's going through something or through a hard time and you don't know what to do, you can always cook for them. Or you can always call me and I'll cook for them. It's, it really, it's a it's a great way to love people. That journey started early in his beloved granny's kitchen. She was the one that, you know, was always cooking breakfast, lunch, and dinner. She was a Southern belle. She made everything taste good, and I didn't always, sorry, Mom, get that at home. <laughs> but uh, granny taught me how to cook, and 
I've never looked back from that. James is a Fox 6 Good Day Alabama monthly contributor. It's one of the honors of my life. I love cooking on TV. I love hearing the feedback. I love going in there and having people email me and ask questions. It's just, it's fun. And his peanut butter cobbler recipe was featured on the Food Network show Carnival Eats. That was kind of a big deal. I mean, it was a... I don't like I got paid for it, but it was a lot of exposure and it was really fun. Head over to chefjameskjones.com to join our email list. Once you do that, you can stay updated on everything that we're doing. CrossFit Mophobia is owned and operated by Hayden Setzer. Hayden has a degree in exercise science and wellness with a minor in coaching. She is CrossFit Level 2 certified and Precision Nutrition Certified. CrossFit Mophobia is located at 222 Decatur Highway in Gardendale, Alabama. Email CrossFitMophobiaInfo at gmail.com or call or text 256-303-1873. Or you can look up everything she does on Facebook and Instagram. CrossFit Mophobia. Hey guys, Merry Christmas from Team Jones. Head on over to our YouTube channel for recipes, podcasts, and now we are live streaming to give you guys real glimpses into our daily lives. We've most recently added the Gardendale Christmas Parade, and this is one of our favorite Christmas events to do with our kids every year. You'll also be able to see the podcast behind the scenes with unedited live streams. Kind of scary. Kind of scary, but fun too. We've added the first four seasons of the Straight Out of Prison podcast, and even if you've listened to every one of them, check out the video format to see behind-the-scenes pictures and a whole lot more. And while you're there, please hit the subscribe button. Just do it. It's 100% free. It's 100% free. won't cost you anything, but it will help us reach our goals to reach a larger audience. Look up Chef James K. Jones on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss a recipe. Or a podcast. And on the cooking front, head over to chefjameskjones.com to see what we're doing for Christmas. Thank you for your support. Merry Christmas, and thanks for being a part of our story. Christmas. We just wanted to say thank you to everyone for all the support that you've given us for our Straight Out of Prison podcast and just wish you a Merry Christmas. We really appreciate um, all the listeners, all the feedback. We're super excited to keep telling the story. And this was just a little snippet when we were recording season two. Haley and I got in a little, I guess, a tiff over the wise men in the Bible. So, I didn't really have a problem with that, but then I had a problem with the nativity scenes. Well, I have to say, this is funny a little bit, because knowing you're one on the Enneagram, for all of you that know what the Enneagram is, I mean, to me, it fits right in line with... What bothered me. This was one of the first (laughs) things about the Bible that bothered me. Why did that bother you? Because all my life, by this time I'm 24, 25 years old, all my life, you saw Jesus getting born in a manger. Jesus' crib, Mary and Joseph, shepherds, sheep, goats, cows, and the three wise men that came to kneel at the baby Jesus' feet to give him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I mean, sounds good to me. But that's the story we've always been told. That's the story we've always been given. But when I started reading the Bible for myself, I realized there was no way that could be accurate. There was the, because? Because it didn't happen like that. 
Like they're taking like the the gospel was written by four authors, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and it was their account of you know physically being there and seeing everything. Matthew's account talked about Jesus being born of a virgin. You know, they got to Bethlehem, couldn't get in, so they had to go in a stable, and that's where she gave birth to the King of Kings. And that the angels went and told the shepherds out in the field, which were the lowest of the nastiest of the low people, that they were like people you look down on. They were like, you know, whoever you would look down on. People didn't really care for shepherds. Mm -hmm. The angels went to the shepherds and said, Today, a Savior has been born in the city of David. Go look. Go look for a baby wrapped in uh, claws or swaddling, swaddling rags or whatever. Manger, yeah. And they ran and they saw and they were freaked out and they went and they saw the baby and they saw Mary and Joseph and it was a beautiful thing. And that's recorded in the book of Luke. But the book of Matthew talks about the wise men. It don't say that they came to the manger. It actually says when they got there, that they went up in the house and the child, not the baby, the child was sitting with his mama. Oh. And then, but the other thing about that is if the star, the star appeared when Jesus was born, these are people, wise men were from the East. They saw a star because they were like star watchers or whatever. Mm -hmm. They saw a star. They had to get from like India and China and, you know, wherever they were all the way to Bethlehem. They couldn't have got there. They didn't have, even if it would have been now, it would have been hard for them to get there on a jet. <laughs> So you're saying they the wise had, men were not there when he was born? No, they would have had to make a trip. Like, they yeah. made a trip. And then when they got there, they went to where they thought the king of the Jews would be born, would be where? In a palace. Right? Right. He's the king. They went to the palace where Herod was, and he was, you know, a little frustrated because he didn't want another king because he wanted to be king. So he called his, like, Bible people in there, and they told him, oh, no, the baby's coming from Bethlehem. So he sent them to Bethlehem, told them to come back to him. And then he sent out an order and said, go to Bethlehem and kill all the babies, male babies under two years old, slaughter them, kill them, because he wanted to take out Jesus. Right. So it was probably at least a year or maybe or months. It was not. The wise man didn't show up at the thing, and it was Jesus and Mary, the animals, and the shepherds. I like, can see the, you're very passionate about this. I don't know. It just bothers me. I mean, even. Does it still bother you? We don't have the wise men on our nativity set. We don't. Well, you got your mom's nativity set. She did, but I always I take know, them. I always take them out. <laughs> I did not know this. They're not there. They weren't there. You've taken out our wise men from our nativity set. Yes. Where did you put? I just I didn't throw them away. I mean, the wise man is significant, <laughs> but it don't need to be in the nativity set. I mean, oh, it's okay. a miracle. The why? Okay, okay. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm not anti-wise men. I'm, I mean, the, if you read the story of the wise men, these were people that studied the stars. These are like Zodiac people. And they saw a star appear the night that Jesus was born. And they were like, ooh, you know, we got to go find that star because, you know, this is pretty significant. And they searched and searched and came from, you know, three or four or five countries over. And in them days, that was quite a trip. You might not even make that trip in a lifetime. You might not even make it back. So that that in and of itself is a miracle, and it's beautiful, but let's just put it where it belongs. Let's put it in, you know. <laughs> I mean, details are important, but I'm so like, later. you know, it's okay. Well, it actually says, if you read in the book of Matthew, it says the wise men entered the house. They went in the house. They didn't, right. so they didn't live in the stable. He was just born in the stable. Wow. I can't wait to go upstairs and confirm. <laughs>
where are look it our up. wise men? Go look it up. <laughs> well, hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the Straight Out of Prison podcast. My name is James K. Jones, and I'm here to tell you a straight out of prison story. And this is Haley Jones, and I have not been to prison, but I'm here to tell help tell that story. Well, come on, get this story going. Okay, Joseph. Well, this is actually the wrap-up of this season. So yes. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so we've been talking about Joseph, how he was a cocky little kid. Not really, but just like a dreamer. Yeah. With, like, like most of us when we're 17. Yeah, exactly. We know exactly. everything. Nobody else knows anything. Um, and had some lessons and went to prison. <laughs> Was sold into slavery. Ultimately wound up in prison, but through all that came out as the ruler of all of Egypt. Yeah, because so. he worked hard and I do feel like had favor. Yeah, I wouldn't say it was just because he worked hard, because I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people in slavery that worked hard. That's true. And a lot of people in general that work hard, but yeah. I had a guy telling me one time, um, it was a guy that did prison ministry and had been doing it probably 10, 20 years before I got out of prison. He said, the reason why you're so successful is you have a work ethic. And I said, I, I know a lot of guys in prison that have a fantastic work ethic, work ethic that could probably work circles around me over and over. But I think it's like a mental, spiritual, you know, how you see yourself kind of thing, why people don't make it. It's not so much because they don't work hard, because nobody, at the end of the day, wants to be in prison. But if you have so many things stacked against you and you don't have help, then it's easy. You can't work yourself out of that. It's how you, it's like a mindset thing, how you look at it and favor and Jesus and all the things. That is so true. I feel like, is that a lesson for us right now? (laughs) Yeah, it could be. Because you're so right. Like, there's people in prison and people that that I'm sure, like, are extremely hard workers. Yeah, absolutely. But it's not just about that. It's about other things. It's and a collection of things. I would even say, I mean, going back to Joseph and in general, I mean, I think there is a scripture about this, about without vision, people perish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that when you're given, like, kind of a vision, you see something or where you want to go, where you want to be. That's very motivating. And you have the audacity to believe it? Yes. Interesting. I like that. So, um, and I mean, obviously, I mentioned that because Joseph had that dream. and Yeah, that people would be bowing down to him. And right. He would be leading everybody. And he didn't know what it meant, but, I'm sh- <laughs> but obviously he liked it. <laughs> yeah, well, obviously he was wired to do that. Yeah, so... So, in the last episode, we talked about how, you know, the famine that he predicted... When he interpreted Pharaoh's dreams had uh-huh. come to pass, they had been through seven years of plenty. Through the seven years, he had stockpiled grain. Yeah. And once the famine hit, it started hitting his family over in Canaan, where he's from. Mm-hmm. So his brothers that came, asked for grain. He recognized them. He, they didn't recognize him, obviously, because he looked like an Egyptian. But there was a back and forth. He sent them home and played games with them and, you know... At the end of the day, he revealed himself to them and told them, I'm Joseph, I'm your brother. You know, is my daddy still alive? They were scared at first. And then, you know, he was like, I forgive you all things. Yeah. Go get my dad. There's five more years of this famine that's going to be happening. Go get my dad and come back. Yeah. So that's where we left off in the last episode. So, yeah, and that was pretty emotional. We got, or I got kind of emotional last episode. Yeah, I think you were thinking about your mom selling you into slavery. Or, or no. <laughs> no, I was not. Hobie and Abby selling you into slavery. <laughs> well, no, I think I was just thinking in general when you love somebody, like when it's your family or you just like really love somebody. But I mean, a lot of times family, 
that you do like, at least I do like want to forgive them. Absolutely. Like, yeah. So I'm just feeling like you're hurt, but also you want to forgive. Okay. Yeah, let's move on. So where are we at now? So uh, when Joseph decided to reveal himself, he started crying and carrying on. Obviously he was very emotional. Mm -hmm. Um, He asked all his servants to leave, you know, get out. But, the commotion was so much that it got all the way back to Pharaoh's palace, and they found out something's going on. Come to find out, those are Joseph's brothers, and they're here. And so Pharaoh was kind of uh, overjoyed, you know, like he mm-hmm. was um, he was the king of Egypt, but he was very thankful to Joseph as his second in command, his prime minister. You know, you know, this is a good thing. Go get the rest of them and bring them back. We'll give them whatever they need to, yeah. you know, make it happen. So. He, um, back in them days, they didn't have like Ubers and cars and all this stuff. <laughs> the Egyptians were advanced, so they had like wagons and chariots and things that other people had never even saw before. And to make the trip from Canaan to Egypt was a long, hard trip. Um, but once Pharaoh decided, once Pharaoh figured out that Joseph was sending them back to bring his dad back, he was like, tell them to bring everything they got and send all the wagons and all the things they need to make the trip easy and send provisions. And um, tell them, don't worry about bringing anything. We'll take care of everything. So he sent them over with wagons, um, which was kind of a big deal. It made the trip easier. Gosh, sounds very refreshing. <laughs> when you said the word provisions, I'm like, yes, give well, well, all the provisions. They were going to have the way they did it back in those days. If you took a trip, you're like, you're on the back of a donkey, you know, know. walking through the desert. It was, yeah. it was not an easy task. I know. That's why it's like Joseph sent them back and forth. They're probably like, again, good <laughs> Lord. <laughs> But now for this last trip, he sent them back with wagons. He gave everybody some new clothes, you know, gave his brothers some outfits, outfitted a thing for his dad, (laughs) (laughs) fixed up some stuff for his dad, you know, sent grain and food, just everything they had. So he was like, we're going to load all this up, get back over there, get my dad. If he don't want to come, tell him not to be hard-headed, like he won't survive the next five years. But uh, one interesting little uh, caveat (laughs) He gave them wagons and food and supplies and some a bunch of donkeys loaded down with spices and good stuff. Um, gave all the brothers a new outfit, provided for his dad's journey, everything they would need. Because his dad, by this time, is 100, over 100 years old. Mm. So the trip needs to be made softer if they could. Yeah. But then to his brother Benjamin, the youngest, who is his only full-blooded brother, he gave him five new outfits and 300 pieces of silver. <laughs> so... <laughs> He gave him a little extra. And if you remember at the the meal they were in, you know, they all had a good portions, but they noticed that Benjamin's plate was loaded down. Yeah. <laughs> turkey and, and chicken meat and quinoa or whatever they eat. Benjamin, Benjamin's probably like, I don't know what's happening right now, but I am liking it. Huh? Uh, yeah. But when he, when he let him go, he had one warning for him to the brothers. He said, don't stop and get distracted and be fighting along the way. Just go get my dad and get back. <laughs> so it was like he had almost taken, like he knew them. He knew how they were. It would be like me, like with some of my Phoenix City family. You know, just <laughs> get in the wagon and get across and don't even look at each other and get back. Because <laughs> we don't want another distraction. And uh, that's that's where that went. Yeah. So did they obey, Joseph? Uh, it seems they did. Yeah. But when they got to Jacob, they told him, hey, dad, daddy, Joseph is alive and he's the ruler of all of Egypt. And what do you think Jacob's reaction was? Are y'all okay? 
He didn't believe him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it said he went numb. It was like, okay. By this time, it had been 25 years since he saw his son, his favorite son. So I'm sure like there was a lot of pain and process. Well, and it's hard and, to like, I mean, that is a shocking revelation. And one weird part about this was when they came back and told him that Joseph got eaten by a lion. Mm-hmm. He believed that. It's like, oh, my son, my son. <laughs> But then when they told him he was alive and he was the ruler of all of Egypt, he didn't believe that. So. Did he have any questions for them? No, he was confused. Because didn't they tell him that a lion ate him? Yeah, he believed them. Yeah. Well, they had dipped his his robe in blood, and yeah, it would have been like, where'd that blood come from then? Wait, he didn't. He didn't ask all that. He believed them. Oh uh, no, I'm saying. <laughs> When he told him that he was alive and the king and the ruler of yeah. Egypt, I think a lot of questions would come to my mind. Well, what happened to the lion story? They didn't—he didn't seem to—if they talked about that, they didn't record it. Okay. That was actually <laughs> never—actually, in the rest of the story, it was never revealed whether or not just Jacob knew actually what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, he may have. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, anyways, they kept telling him stories about Joseph and— they had the wagons, they had all this stuff, the Egyptian clothes, all things on. So eventually he processed it and it, it was like, they said it was like a light came back on. Like, I think the actual scripture says his spirit was revived. And oh, he wow. was like, My son is alive. I got to go see him before I die. Like, they didn't even I mean, can you imagine, though, thinking your son is dead for that long? That's almost three decades. I can imagine that it took a lot of like, you know, maybe Hold that's on. why Joseph gave him all that stuff. Like, yeah, he's gonna have to know, have some evidence. <laughs> yeah, and from the looks of things, he was not somebody that you let around. Like, he was gonna do what he wanted to. Like, right. he wasn't somebody you were just gonna say, "Come on back to Egypt with us, Daddy." And right. he was gonna say, "Yeah, let me climb up on that wagon." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you had to really uh, make him know he was doing what he's supposed to be doing. Sounds familiar. What he wanted to do. Sounds like my husband. Well, you know, <laughs> the name Jacob in Hebrew is the Greek form of that is James. Wow. That's where the name James came from, Jacob. So, isn't that fitting? Like, you know, the book of James in the New Testament? Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the more literal, like, ones that try to do the Hebrew thing more. Yeah. Even though it is written in Greek. Just for y'all, you Hebrew scholars, it is written in Greek. <laughs> they don't call that the book of James. They call it the book of Jacob. Interesting. Because that's the actual. Yeah. Thing. Interesting. Fun facts. Okay, so he his spirit came alive. So he's like, I got to go see my son before I die. So that night they camped out at Beersheba. And do you remember early on in the story, I think it was the first or second episode, we talked about how Jacob was a deceiver and he had deceived his brother, his twin brother, and took his birthright. And he had to run away and go to his uh his uncle and his mom's brother over in Padan Aram, uh-huh. wherever that is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he camped out and he um, was sleeping and he had a dream and the God spoke to him and said, I'm El Shaddai, the God who's more than enough, the Lord Almighty, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and you, Jacob, and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Go do your thing. Come back. I'll be with you. I'll take care of you. We had the same dream when he was leaving again this time. But it was similar but different. It was where God appeared to him in a dream and said, Don't be afraid. Go go to Egypt. I'm going to make you a great nation there. And I will bring all your people back here to the land that I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But you will be with Joseph when you die. And actually, he'll be the one that, that closes your eyes. So just trust me and just go. And so he went. 
Wow, sounds like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm trying to put myself in Jacob's shoes. No, like, I know. Oh, would I go? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I think you would, like, in hopes of seeing your son. Well, I would, I mean, I like to say if I know, and I believe this is true, you might disagree. If I know that God is speaking something to me, I'll do it, even if I don't want to. I agree with that. But if I don't know, or if I have doubts, you know, I have to process it. I have to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um all things. Well, how do you know? I mean, I guess he knew because of the dream. Well, the dream helped anyone to see his son. Yeah. So I mean, that's a huge. I mean, I would think like if there is a chance here that I get to see him, and he is, then I want to take that chance. So Jacob loaded up, headed to Egypt. He brought everybody with him and his family, his sons, his grandsons, his granddaughters. You know, all the people. Probably they were probably greats by then. But when they got to Egypt, between him and his twelve sons, and Jacob and his two sons, they numbered about seventy people. So that's a pretty big family. Yeah. Um, That's a lot of people. I was thinking sometimes because your sister has eight kids. Like sometimes when we get together on Christmas or Easter, it's like, gosh, we got a lot of folks up in here. Yeah, it is. (laughs) But uh, I think they had more than that. But they took everybody, went to Egypt. And it's interesting, before they left, like Jake, uh, Joseph was only really talking to Judah. Okay, I want you to do this and you lead the way and you do this and other. And when they got there, when they were coming back, when they were making the trip back, it says that Jacob sent Judah ahead to get directions, make sure they were going the right place. So even though he was like third or fourth in line, he was already the leader at that time of his family, which is, is who, who was Judah. Yeah. So they sent Judah ahead to get directions, and Joseph and Pharaoh had arranged for them to live in a land of Egypt called Goshen, and it was like, <clears throat> excuse me. The most fertile land had everything they needed to thrive and survive and do everything they needed to do, but it was also separate from Egyptian society. So they could be in Egypt, but not be Egyptian, I guess. Does that make sense? Be in it, but not of it. (laughs) Well, the problem with them was that the Hebrews and Joseph's family, they were shepherds. Like, they took care of animals and livestock. That Mm -hmm. was what they did. That was all they knew. That was what they'd been doing for generations. That was what Isaac did before Jacob. That was Abraham did. But the Egyptians looked down on shepherds like they detested them. So they, they wouldn't eat with them. They thought they were nasty. Yeah. So he wouldn't... For them to be at peace and be all right, they kind of needed to be separate. So Joseph, I believe, had some wisdom in figuring that out. Mm -hmm. And it was also the land of Goshen was the best land in Egypt for what they needed for as far as like, you know, raising livestock and crops and all stuff. Yeah. Um, When they got there, the procession got there, they rolled up into Egypt, into Goshen. And then Joseph had put lookout so that he could be there when they got there. So here comes Jacob. (laughs) All the way from Christ, like the Beverly Hillbillies coming to, to town. <laughs> and uh, Jacob pulls up, you know, full of with all his entourage and all those things. He pulls up on a chariot. <laughs> and that is probably something that most of them had never even seen a chariot. Wait, who pulled up on the chariot? Jacob. I mean, J- Joseph. I was going to say, I think you mean Joseph. Okay. <laughs> I keep getting the, the names. There's so many Joseph. So Joseph met them in a chariot. Yeah, they got yeah. there. They're pulling in, and, and Joseph pulls up on his chariot with all his, his servants and his Egyptians and all that stuff. So... That was to have a chariot in those days was a huge, huge deal. It's kind of like, you know, like when you see the president coming, he's in the the beast limo, yeah, and, you know, yeah. and all this stuff. So, uh, Pharaoh had a chariot, uh, 
Joseph had a chariot because he was second in command, and there weren't a whole lot of chariots running around, so there wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> there weren't. There weren't chariots everywhere. <laughs> no, and you know, a chariot's where you stand up, and you know, it's just you. It would almost you. be like a private jet, like landing in our yard. Yeah, or a like helicopter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I'm about. <laughs> big, big helicopter coming down. Yeah. So I just imagine Jacob, like that's my son, like. You ain't got no rainbow robe no more, but you got a chariot, you got a staff, you got a palace, and yeah. you know Joseph done come up. <laughs> but uh, it was their reunion was kind of you know it would be what you think they're emotional, they cried and carried on, and you know all the things. And it says they did that for some time, and then Jacob just backed up and looked at him and said, "I can die now. I'm good. <laughs> I know that you're alive." I can die. Everything gonna be all right. Mm-hmm. So Pharaoh wanted to meet them. He wanted to meet the brothers, and then um, Joseph told him, "Look, tell him that you're shepherds. That's what you do, and that's all you know how to do." Because he wanted to make sure, like that, they got to stay separated. Because he knew they couldn't probably integrate mm-hmm. into Egypt the way the way he did, right? Because um, you have to play that game, and they're they're from the country that they know what they know. And yeah, they need to do what they do. So they met Pharaoh. He did. He was impressed with them. Obviously very uh, thankful to Joseph and willing to do whatever. And as they were talking, he found out they were, you know, they did livestock, do all things. So he said, well, while you're here, why don't you take care of all my livestock? So he not only gave them a land, he gave them a job to do while they were there, too. They took care of all his royal sheeps and goats and all Mm -hmm. (laughs) that stuff. (laughs) So it was uh, after everything they had been through, it was all kind of. You know, it was coming together for him in mm-hmm. a neat way because during a famine, most scholars think the famine was because it wouldn't rain, so you couldn't grow stuff, so you couldn't have crops. But if you were like them with livestock, you have to keep moving them around because they eat grass. If there ain't no rain, then there ain't no grass, and then, you know, it's just you got a bunch of dead dead livestock. you got a cluster, <laughs> a real cluster. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, they were, in the, they were good with that. They had everything going on, and then Pharaoh... Uh, the king of Egypt, he wanted to meet Jacob. So uh, Joseph brought him in, and um, you know they was chatting, talking it up, all things. And Pharaoh was like, tell me again, how old are you? <laughs> <laughs> and then when Jacob told the Pharaoh that he was 130 years old, he was a little uh, like, wow, that's a lot of years to be living. <laughs> I'm sure you've experienced a lot of life in them 130 years. But um, they moved in, settled in. Pharaoh gave them everything they needed, and Jacob... Prayed a blessing over Pharaoh, and everything was beautiful there for a while. Jacob prayed a blessing over Pharaoh. Yeah. Okay. Gave him a blessing. And then the famine continued in the rest of the world, but uh, they were good to go in Goshen. They had everything they needed. (laughs) Joseph was the man, had everything uh, set up for him. You know, other parts of the world, crops wouldn't grow. There wasn't no grass for the livestock. And then it started to creep into Egypt, too, and it was just, it got really bad. So this was another... Like maybe you want to go back and look at what Joseph did and and the results of what he did as far as like setting up things the way he did. Mm-hmm. He not only saved his family, he saved the Egyptians and most of the world at that time because people were coming to Egypt for food. But then the Egyptians, once they ran out of everything, they came to him and was like, "Help! You know what are we going to do?" So he said, "Well, you can have the grain, but you know it's, it belongs to Pharaoh. So bring me your money." So eventually, over the course of about a year, they brought him all their money, all their silver, all their gold, all their, you know, everything they had. And um, 
and they ran out of money. So they came back again. And um, Joseph was like, well, you ain't got no money. Bring me your livestock. <laughs> so next thing you know, all the livestock in the in the land of Egypt belonged to Pharaoh. And Joseph wasn't taking it for himself. He was taking it for Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. Um, then he, eventually they came and gave their land. And then at the end they came and gave themselves and was like, what's the use of us starving to death? You know, <laughs> we'll just tell Pharaoh we'll be a slave. Just make sure we get fed. So... Eventually, over time, over the course of those seven years, because of Joseph and his dream and the policies that he set up, Pharaoh became the owner of everything. <laughs> all the land, all the people, all the livestock. <laughs> wow. <laughs> everything. So eventually they figured out a way to make it work. Joseph set up a system where he would give them seed to plant their crops and they could live and do whatever they wanted to. But they had to just bring 5% back to Pharaoh and... They it's the that, beginning of taxes, baby. <laughs> yeah, and that la- that lasted for the rest of the time when Egypt was a a thing. And there was so there was a saying that went on there: fifth goes to Pharaoh. Pharaoh gets his fifth, kind of like we say. You know, if you get a paycheck, you got to pay your FICA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got to pay into that Social Security. <laughs> so, uh, but he set all that up, and it was. Um, Neat. I mean, as far as like if you have like a business mind and yeah, that sounds like, like think, brilliant, really. Yeah. So he got him set up. He's got his family. Everything's working out. He's rocking and rolling, doing all things. And Jacob's family, in the meantime, they flourished in Goshen. And for the next 17 years, it was relative, quiet, you know, live, work, have fun, do all things. And then, um, it started to become apparent that Joseph, not Joseph, that Jacob was finna get ready to go. You know, a time will hear. You mean die? Yeah, yeah. Come to an end. So uh, he called Joseph to him and was like, you know, I know everything's worked out here and I know you're prospering and all stuff, but these ain't my people and this ain't where I'm from. So I need you to promise me that when I die, don't bury me in Egypt. I'm not supposed to be here. Take me back, you know, to where I'm from. My grandfather Abraham bought a tomb. That's where he buried my grandmother. That's where my dad and my mom are buried. I buried Leah there, and that's where I have to be buried. So lazy how Leah. <laughs> Take me back and make sure you bury my bury my put my bones there. That's where that's where they're supposed to be. So Joseph promised, and uh, he asked him two or three times and asked him to put his hand on his hip and swear. I mean, I'm not sure what all this stuff means, but, you know. Put his hand on his hip and swear? Uh, that's some kind of ancient thing. Okay. I, I should have fact-checked that, but I didn't really look it up. Mm-hmm. It was just what they did. Kind of like, you know, you put your hand on your Bible, raise your right hand, repeat up to me. Right. Well, I was more thinking, I put my hand up on your <laughs> So the whole Bible swearing thing. Yeah. <laughs> Came to, came to yeah. mind secondary to the yeah. <laughs> to the song. Um, okay, so so Joseph promised, and he brought his two boys. He wanted Jacob to bless them. Remember when we talked about Isaac leaving his blessing? That was when Jacob tricked his dad into thinking he was so so he could get the right the big brother blessing. So yeah. um, when he brought the boys Ephraim and Manasseh in to meet Jacob, he uh, told Joseph. You know, I decided these boys, I'm going to adopt them. These are going to be my boys, and they're going to get an equal inheritance. Like, one one of them's going to get your inheritance, and the other one's going to get Reuben's inheritance, because I ain't leaving Reuben nothing. <laughs> was Reuben still alive? Yeah, he was in Egypt. This is getting cut out? Well, he tells him in his final words. Well, we'll get to that. But yeah. 
Anyways, he gave his his blessing to Joseph's two sons, gave them a double portion, is what he called it. Mm -hmm. And then he went to lay his hands on them to bless them. And in those days, you put your right hand on the older and the left hand on the younger. And when he went to pray for them and put his blessing on them, he crossed his arms. So Joseph's like, hold up, hold up, hold up. You're putting your hands on the wrong head. And it's just one of those fascinating things about Old Testament scriptures that you read and things come to pass the way they said it was. And Jacob said, I know what I'm doing. The the younger, the older one is going to serve the younger one. And that's just how it's going to be. So hush up, let me do my little prayer. And he blessed them. (laughs) But it goes to show you something, too, about God. Like, it doesn't matter how things are supposed to be. Like, he chooses things to be like he wants them to be. And... I almost think he does that stuff like that on purpose. Like, choose a Mary to be the mama of Jesus, and she ain't even married. Right. And then, okay, now go figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> Hope you don't get stoned to death. And I don't know, just stuff like that is neat. Like, even with, with uh, Jacob and Esau, you know, Esau should have been the one carrying all the things, and he wasn't. Um, but anyways, he crossed his arm, gave his blessings. Okay, but things. just like little teaser, I guess, did it play out later on the Bible, honey, I crossed his arms? Jacob did with Joseph's sons. Yeah. Did it play out accordingly? Or do we know yeah. about that? Okay. Yeah. Well, you can study all that out. Like the, yeah. Every one of the sons became like a state. Mm. But it was going to be a long time later. Yeah. So there would be a tribe of Judah, a tribe of uh, of Ephraim, a tribe of Manasseh, a tribe of, of, of Benjamin, a tribe all of, okay. all of them. Had, Except? No, Reuben was. Reuben, you're out. Reuben was out. Reuben, <laughs> you are the weakest link. Goodbye. Reuben, you get nothing. <laughs> he actually told him when his final words, he went in. You know, they called him. They said, he's sick. He's probably not going to make it. Y'all probably don't need to come in. And he was doing his final blessings. And he looked at Reuben and was like, Reuben, you're my firstborn. You're the proof of my manhood. You're supposed to be all this good stuff. But you are weak as water. <laughs> and you ain't going to have nothing to me. I'm done with you. I ain't got nothing for you. Oh, my God. But then he told him why. It's because you went in and got up on the couch and had sex with my concubine. <laughs> Got so, up on the couch. Yeah. Is that what he said? <laughs> That's what he said. You got up on the couch and did your business. He said you got up on the couch. No, he didn't. It says something about the couch. I just read it. Because <laughs> <laughs> you went in my tent, got up on the couch, and did your business on top of my concubine. Oh, so he had sex with the concubine, which yeah. basically was like his mistress or something. Well, they did it. If you remember the story, Leah had a few kids. Then she stopped having kids. Mm-hmm. And then Rachel couldn't have kids, so I had two wives. Yeah. So she gave him her maid to give babies for her. Right. So that was his concubine. But then Rachel was like, well, I got a maid, too. Go in here and do my maid, and we can have babies by her. So that's how he got so many kids, was because he had two wives and two concubines. Yeah. But then Reuben, when he was a little older and a little frisky, sowing the oats. <laughs> He went in and did some business with a concubine. But so you Joseph, think he was older when he did that? You have to be older to have sex. Oh, I, I'm, when you say older, I think like older, older, like your age. No, I don't. He was probably young, but okay. not a man. He was age. old enough to have sex. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, you got to at least be hit puberty. So did. Well, thank you for that <laughs> biology lesson. So did. Um, Joseph know that he did that? Joseph or Jacob? Did Joseph know that Reuben had done the ha-ha with but, the concubine? Well, if they didn't know. On the couch. If they didn't know when Daddy gave the final words of blessing, everybody knew now. <laughs> <laughs> 
because it was all out then after that. So then um, his next two were Simeon and Levi. That's like in order of age. He told them, like, y'all are messed up. Y'all are going to be scattered. Interesting thing, Levi, ended, the tribe of Levi ended up being the priests, and they didn't get any land in Israel, but they, like, lived in all the parts of Israel because they were the priests. Mm-hmm. But then when he came to Judah, he said, you were Judah, you all your brothers will serve you. Everybody's going to bow down and praise you. You are the strength. You are you're the man, and you will be uh, you'll be the ruler until Shiloh comes. Or the, let's talk about Jesus. Like until the, uh, the the scepter shall not depart from Judah till the one it belongs to comes to get it. So mm-hmm. you're going to be the man. And you know he had. If I don't want to get too deep in all that, if you go back and study him out, he talked about like Zebulun. You're going. You're a sea person and all stuff, and that was the land of Zebulun was along the Mediterranean Sea, and there's a lot of neat stuff in that. That's really neat, though. But out of all those, the 12 tribes of Israel, Reuben got knocked out, and then Joseph became Manasseh and Ephraim, because those were his two sons. Out of those 12 tribes, which would eventually become like 12 states when they were a nation, um, Judah would rise and become a nation of its own eventually. Over, you know, thousands of years. And from this time when he gave that prophecy to him, a few thousand years later, there was an unmarried teenage girl in the Roman province of Judea, which is Judah, Hellenized, when the Greeks came through into their Greek culture. Mm-hmm. She was in the town of Bethlehem, where Rachel was buried, Joseph's mama, and a baby would be born in a manger. And that was Jesus. So all that came from, I don't know why it's making me emotional. <laughs> I mean, uh, I love that it makes me Christmas emotional. Time. I'm like, wow. I noticed that you can trace it like yeah, that. Yeah, that is, I mean, that is in, really We're in the trees here and all the Christmas time. Well, it's kind of neat that you. <laughs> I I'm crying. I, mean, I think it's sweet. <laughs> I mean, I think you feel the gravity, but I do think what's neat about you, and because speaking of prison, that you had so much time to study all this out, like as a base, yeah. as a foundation, is that you really like know the history of it and know like all the all the nuances of these stories and what it took, like to to have to happen to get to where. You well, know, this is just the beginning. I mean. Yeah. I hope if anybody, I'm I'm interested in history. Period. Like yeah. I study American history. I mean, I'm just I love history. Mm-hmm. But and one of my top strengths on the strength finder is context. Right. Like, exactly. Looking into how we got here. Like I always yeah. want to know how did I get here? How did we get yeah. here? Um, if I wasn't like that, I probably never would have found my biological father because I right. would have just said, "Oh yeah, I'm Indian." Woo woo woo. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just the dark <laughs> one in the family. It's got all the. Yeah. The Indian skin, that's really Greek. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I feel like I need to say that again. I got emotional. I have it in my nose. No, I think you need to keep that in there, the emotional part of it. I know, but I feel like I want to say it one more okay. time. Out of all these 12 tribes, of, of all these 12 sons, which eventually became 12 tribes, which is like states. Which came from Jacob and his sons. Yeah, yeah. and Jacob's name, God changed his name from Jacob, which meant deceiver, to Israel, which meant prince of God. Out of those tribes, Judah would rise and become a nation. And a few thousand years later, from that prophecy, an unmarried teenage girl in the Roman province of Judea, which is Judah that got the name changed to Judea when the Greeks came through and Hellenized everything, in the town of Bethlehem, where Jacob buried Rachel when she died giving birth to Benjamin, 
a baby would be born in a manger. And that was Jesus, the Messiah. And that was the reason that God chose Abraham and made a covenant with him to be a blessing to the world. That was why the Jews are special and are still special to this day. Why why did he choose Abraham? Because he wanted to. <laughs> no, you just said that's why he chose Abraham to make Well people take that and twist it up that the Jews are have some kind of special DNA or that this, that, and the other. Even Christians say stuff like that. Yeah. How many Christians do you know that try to be Jewish on the holidays? Like, yeah, let's drink apple cider and eat monster balls and like god don't want us to be jewish he wants us to be who we are they are special but the reason that he chose them was to bring jesus into the world Mm -hmm. but most people don't really see it like that and you'd have to go back and study abraham and covenants and all that stuff he had to choose somebody that would be 100 percent all in the way he was going to be all in Mm -hmm. that was why he tried to get uh, Abraham to go up on a mountain and sacrifice right, his son, and right. then told him once, "Okay, you'll do it." We know, okay, he's done. Yeah. So it was. Um, that's. I think that would be for another podcast. So <laughs> another in other words, not that this is a competition, but if it were, Joseph and Judah were at the top of leaderboard. <laughs> As far as, I mean, obviously Jesus came through the line of Judah, like you just explained, but then Joseph, Prince of, what was the name? Prince of Egypt. Prince of God, you said. Oh, no. No. (laughs) You got me all over the place. Sorry. I'm just like. (laughs) Prince of Egypt was Moses. It was a movie. Uh, (laughs) Jacob had his name changed to Israel, which meant Prince of God. Right. Okay. So, I mean, it is interesting, like, all this Joseph story, but then actually Jesus came through the line of Judah. Yeah. So, I'm surprised they didn't choose Joseph. Well, but if it hadn't been for Joseph, Jacob probably wouldn't have survived. I mean, Judah wouldn't have survived. This is true. So. Yeah. All these things. Anyways, wrapping that up. (laughs) It it is. I mean, the whole, like, history of it, and when you study it out, like you said, like, just... It's fascinating. It is, and how just, yeah. It is. And does God still work like that today, where certain things ha- happen? Absolutely. That had to happen to get to whatever it is that... Yeah. We don't understand when we're in the middle of it. Yeah. But you can always, if you want to, on the other side of something, look back and be like, okay, all right, I see what you're doing there. Yeah. I see why I had to do that. Yeah. But uh, back to the story. Joseph had Jacob's body embalmed. That was something they didn't do at that time with the Egyptians... They're the one to start all that mess. <laughs> um, and then it, something about it took 40 days for that process to take place in Egypt. And then he led his family um, on a funeral procession back to Canaan, to the tomb where Jacob wanted to be buried. And it said there was a pr- procession of like high-profile, high-ranking Egyptians behind them. Um, so they're going back into the, the country where they came from, but this time... They're on chariots and horses, and they're all dressed like Egyptians. So when the Canaanites saw them people <clears throat> and Jacob's funeral, they're like, wow, this was some special guy here. <laughs> yeah. But uh, they got through all that. Then when they got home, their brothers, you know, even though it had been like 20 years or so since they'd been in Egypt, everything was fine. They panicked again, and they were like, daddy's gone. He's dead. He's going to kill us now. He's got us here so he can slaughter us and get us back. So he brought them back again. They're so paranoid. Yeah, I mean, they did him at some point. You gotta move on. (laughs) (laughs) But anyways, they got scared again. But Joseph brought them in and was like, "Listen, don't be afraid. 
I forgive you. You planned evil against me, but God used it for good. He sent me ahead of you to preserve life, and everything worked out the way it's supposed to. So let's just relax. I got you. You're here. You'll never have to worry about anything again. Your kids, everything's good. So, but then he also had one final request of his brothers and all the people. Joseph did? Yeah. He's like, I don't know if he just said it because his daddy said it because none of the other ones said it. Yeah. (laughs) Judah didn't say it. He said, make sure when I die, because y'all ain't going to be here forever. Y'all going to be here for a while, but God's going to come and get you. And when he comes and gets you and leads you back to where we're from, to the land that God swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Take my bones with you. So, um, Joseph said that. Joseph, so yeah. Joseph wanted his bones there too. Yeah. So you got Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, their bones, and Joseph. Everybody else's bones, I guess, is in Egypt somewhere. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or dust. <laughs> Back to the dust. But Joseph lived to be 110 years old. He saw his kids grow up, become men. He saw grandkids, great grandkids, and great great grandkids. So that's that's a pretty long and healthy life. Mm-hmm. And then um, at the end of his life, he you know he left those instructions. You know God's gonna come get you. Make sure you uh, take my bones with you when you go. Yeah. So they came there. When they came into Egypt, there were seventy of them. A family of seventy. They were there for four hundred thirty years. And some scholars debate: was it four hundred thirty? Was it four ninety? Was it Three seventy-five. Some people say it's two twenty-five. The Bible says it was four hundred thirty years, so I'm gonna go with what the Bible says. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so four hundred thirty years later, in another story, we won't do that story here, but in another story, they left Egypt. Think about four centuries. That's longer than America's even been in existence. Mm. Um, how many of them you think were there then? Out of those seventy, I don't know. Over two million people that left Egypt. Wow. So they spent all that time going from being a family to becoming a nation. I don't know. That's just, that's mind-boggling. Yeah, I got chills. I mean, it goes back to the Abraham where God said his ancestors are going to outnumber the stars. Yeah. Well, but Abraham was also the father of Isaac, which is Israel. But he was also the father of Ishmael, which is all the Arabs. So Mm -hmm. if you see an Arab, their ancestor is Abraham. If you see a Jew... His ancestor is Abraham. And uh, get into that later on, but in the New Testament, as fathers of Jesus, when we become part of God's family, we're also children of Abraham. It's more of a spiritual. Abraham had many sons. And many sons. <laughs> <laughs> I Abraham. love that song. <laughs> yeah. You know the song I used to like? It was, uh, it was one of my favorites, but when I started studying the Bible, I couldn't ever find it, and nobody's ever gave me the answer to it. What? Michael Rowe, your boat ashore. Hallelujah. You remember the song? Um, vaguely. Sister, help him reel it in. Hallelujah. But, like, who is Michael? I never found Michael. Are you sure it's Michael? Yeah. Or it's Mr. No, it's Michael. Mr. Rowe? No. Michael Rowe. If any of y'all know, let us know. (laughs) We're just trying to figure out who Michael are. All right, well, this has been fun. We'll, we'll do a recap or best of or whatever we decide to do with this mm-hmm. one. But uh, they went in as seven people. They came out as two, two million. The descendants of Jacob or Israel have really impacted the human race on every level, culture, their innovators, technology, finances, everything. Like There are descendants of Jacob on every part of the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, the modern state of Israel, they're one of the most 
technologically advanced nations on the earth, you know, compare only comparable really to us. I mean, yeah. they're in the middle of all that, and they figured out a way to make where nobody could even shoot missiles at them through their Iron Dome program that they come up with. Like, you shoot a missile at Israel, good luck. Oh, really? It ain't coming in. <laughs> 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 but that, I mean, it's just phenomenal people. Yeah. Um, if you think about the descendants of Israel, the, the Jews, they also gave us the Bible, mm-hmm. which whether people like Jews or not, cover to cover, it's a Jewish book. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, at the end of the day, you know, for those of us that believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and if we, we're in relationship with Him and have been transformed by Him, we can look back to God's original promise that He made to Abraham. He said, I'll make you the father of many nations. And through your family, the whole world will be blessed. And we know that the blessing was, the blessing is, and the blessing will always be Jesus. Mary's baby. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm getting emotional because it's Christmas time. And because it's, I mean... This need to wrap up stuff like this. Yeah, it's just a... Because it's so personal in our relationship and we're saved and going to heaven. Because yeah. of it. You know, I mean, it's just all, I mean, it's a big deal. I can see where I get emotional. Yeah. We love no. you, Jesus. Thank you. <laughs> and all you Jewish people, we love y'all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All the sons of Jacob. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed the story. This was and, fun. Um, there's more to come. Stay tuned. We'll see what's coming in next season. We're working on, we've got a couple different ideas we're kicking around. And um, we'll be after the first of the year, but uh, we will uh Yes, Merry Christmas, and make sure you tune in to the For Real Real, uh, because we will have fresh, lively content on there. Yes, we will. All right, we'll see you soon, guys. All right, bye. Hey guys, we hope you enjoy the podcast. Written and produced by the Team Jones Company. Yours truly, James and Haley Jones. If you're interested in advertising with us, head over to teamjones.co. Click the Join Forces button. We've redesigned our media kit with some exciting new details. If you'd like more information about being a sponsor, email Haley at teamjones.co. And for exclusive content, download the Patreon app and look up Team Jones Media. You'll find many levels of subscriptions. All levels have one cool feature. You'll get early access to all of our podcast platforms and they're completely free from ads the best way to support us is by telling your friends and family about the podcast other ways to support us is by liking and sharing the podcast and giving us a review or follow us on social media facebook instagram tiktok youtube and more 
And that's too much to mention here, so we'll put it all in the show notes for you. Our YouTube channel is now streaming the Straight Out of Prison podcast. And even if you've listened to every episode, check out the video format to see behind the scenes, pictures, and a whole lot more. It really makes the story come to life in a whole new way. And while you're there, hit the subscribe button. Please hit that subscribe button. It's 100% free, won't cost you anything, but it will help us reach our goals to reach a larger audience. Look up Chef James K. Jones on YouTube, hit the subscribe button so you never miss a recipe or a podcast. Please support our sponsors. They help us provide you this platform for free. Thank you for your support and thank you for being a part of our story. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed the podcast. It's written and produced by the Team Jones Company. Yours truly, James and Haley Jones. If you're interested in advertising with us, head over to teamjones.co and click the Join Forces button. We've redesigned our media kit with some exciting new details. If you'd like more information about being a sponsor, email me, Haley, Haley at teamjones.co. It's not .com. The best way to support us is by telling your friends and family about the podcast. Other ways to support us is by liking and sharing the podcast and giving us a review. Well, as long as you think we did good. (laughs) Or you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and more. Thank you, thank you, thank you guys for all your support, all your encouragement, and thank you for being a part of our story. All right, guys, y'all show some love to the sponsors of the Straight Out of Prison podcast. Our friend Keely Brown runs her family-owned HVAC Home and Commercial Services. Is your system ready for the summer? Schedule a system checkup or reprogram your thermostat. They offer residential and commercial, at home or at work. They really do what they say, and they say what they do. Our family serving your family has been their core value since day one. Their founder and owner, Mr. Robert Holland, made sure the foundation of home and commercial services was and is integrity. Now, remember, Haley, we, we catered an event last December where he was a part of the group that we were feeding. But it was interesting to learn that when he was a young man, when he first started in the HVAC business, Mr. Holland actually got in trouble with, for not adding new parts that the people didn't need. And they were like, why didn't you sell the parts? And he was like, because I could fix them. And they were like, no, no, you're, you're, you're doing it wrong. Like, you just got to put new parts. And he was like, but they didn't need new parts. And it bugged him so much that he went out and started his own business. And that's the foundation of home and commercial services. And we can attest to that personally. I mean, they've done so much stuff for us. It's crazy. I love that story. And I think it speaks to, obviously, his integrity and what he's built his business on that integrity. Right now, the most economical service they offer is their annual residential service agreement. For $150, you'll get two annual checkups, and that's for one system. If 
it's an additional system, it's 25% off. Anyways, the annual contract includes priority service, normal rates for after-hour service, 10% discount on any repairs, and a 5% discount on any new installations. It's a good deal, especially with the heat of the summer coming. Home and Commercial Services works on all name brands of heating and air conditioning units, gas furnaces, heat pumps, walk-in coolers, and smart thermostats. No job is too big or too small. Call or text Keely at 205-798-0635. Or you can email at office at hollandhcs.com. You can look up Holland Home and Commercial Services on Instagram for daily tips and more. Or you can check out their website, hollandhcs.com. We have some amazing friends and supporters of the podcast, Lynn and Debbie Hurst, who own Hurst Towing and Recovery in Fultondale and Hayden, Alabama. They serve the Jefferson, Blunt, and surrounding counties. They tow light and heavy-duty vehicles, and they're always there to help. We wouldn't call anybody else. We would never call anybody else, and that's a fact. Would you like to work for an amazing company that treats their employees like family? The Hearst are hiring. Full and part-time positions. Give them a call today. Hearst Towing is there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They've been in our area since January of 1987. They have a heart to serve and they love making an impact in the communities they grew up in. The Hearst definitely make a difference in our world. And they have definitely made a difference in our lives. Dispatchers are always ready to receive calls at 205-631-8697. That is 205-631-TOES. T-O-W-S. <laughs> you, get, you get me every time I, with the toes. <laughs> <laughs> or check out their website at hearsttowing.com. Now, y'all know James from the podcast, but he also is an amazing cook and private chef. I can attest to that personally. I've had many years of experience in food, just working in, managing, and even owning a couple restaurants. One of his greatest passions is preparing delicious food. You know, if somebody's going through something or through a hard time and you don't know what to do, you can always cook for them. Head over to chefjameskjones.com to join our email list. Once you do that, you can stay updated on everything that we're doing. 